Thank you for listening to the Voices of UMass Chan, featuring the people, ideas, and advances of UMass Chan Medical School. Welcome to the Voices of UMass Chan podcast. I'm filling in as your host. I am John J. Innes, communications content specialist here at UMass Chan with a specialized focus on diversity and inclusion topics. Today we have two guests, Dr. Marlena Duncan, Vice Chancellor for Diversity and Inclusion, and Dr. Sharina Person, the Dr. Marcelette G. Williams Senior Scholar and Vice Chair and Professor of Population and Quantitative Health Sciences. They're joining me to talk about the Diversity Engagement Survey, its importance to the UMass Chan community, and to prepare us for this year's survey, which comes out in March. Marlena and Sharina, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. I wanted us to just begin um, by talking about the Diversity Engagement Survey. Sharina, could you begin by giving us an overview of what the Diversity Engagement Survey is and perhaps explain your pivotal role in the creation of it? Sure. So the Diversity Engagement Survey, which we affectionately refer to as the DES, uh, is a 22-item scale that was created to capture data on uh, member engagement, the inclusive characteristics of an organization's culture, and the degree to which diverse groups experience inclusion. Uh, it was designed to be uh, pr prescriptive uh, in that it points to strategic directions for change, diagnostic by defining areas of strength and uh, areas of improvement for your diversity and inclusion efforts through benchmark comparative data, and descriptive in that it describes the inclusiveness of the environment by really determining the baseline levels of engagement. It was developed in 2010 at the request of Chancellor Collins, who wanted to better understand uh, satisfaction as well as how it related to the diversity efforts of the institution. Uh, the then DIO director at the time, Dr. Debbie Plummer, convened a group of uh, individuals to help develop a scale because she did not see anything that was available at the time to really assess what the chancellor and what she really wanted to, to get at. Uh, and so that is how the, the DES was created. It was originally created as an instrument just for UMass Med, but then became really useful through our partnership with AAMC and thus has, has been implemented uh, across the nation and internationally. I love that all of the creative minds here at UMass Chan sort of came together and saw a problem and um, decided I wanted to do something to make that happen. So the survey is taken every three years, and we are due for a survey this year. So can you share with us the results of the last survey and how it has shifted the culture at UMass Chan? Marlena, any insights? When I came in, one of my first events that I attended was what was called the Diversity Summit. And it was an opportunity for the campus to report on all the initiatives that had happened related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And during that summit, um, Sharina was one of the presenters and went through the last DES results survey. And what I found so impactful was the ways in which um, we were able to see how we compared to other institutions 
and also to get a gauge in terms of where we needed to do a little bit more work. So coming in as the new vice chancellor for diversity and inclusion, I was able to see that we weren't in a bad spot, but there were populations that were not feeling as though they were included or that there were initiatives and support systems in place for them. So for example, our LGBTQ plus community, there were differences in their results. Also for our populations that are historically marginalized, um, our Black and Latinx communities also had differences in terms of their um, sense of belonging at the institution. So I felt that I was very fortunate to be at this summit and to hear these results and to, you know, right from the start, just start thinking about what can we do as an office, as an institution, to really bring attention um, to these very specific results and create um, programming and policies and practices to address those concerns. Thank you so much uh, for sharing those insights. Uh, Marlena, you had um, spoken a little bit about uh, some of the differences in various groups and how they experience um, inclusion and belonging. I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, and let's talk about the survey um, that's coming around. Why is it important that everyone takes it? Yeah, so it, it's important that everyone takes it for a few reasons. Um, first, I think the last time we administered the survey in 2020, it was a very unique time. There was the murder of George Floyd. We were really in the, in the midst of uh, COVID-19. And so what we saw just as a nation, as you know, a, the world, um, was really having specific conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion. There was a lot of energy around this topic. And so I think that that motivation was great. Um, but we know that priorities shift. And so attention can be shifted away from talking about DEI. And so it can sometimes be put to the side. Um, so we want to make sure that people are continuously letting us know, you know, what? how are you experiencing this place? What are ways that we can make sure that we don't um, lose this momentum that we have around DEI. And uh, so I think, you know, that is really the, the main reason that we want to continue to collect this data so that we have a, a clear understanding of the experiences, particularly for those that um, are from underrepresented and marginalized groups here at the institution. Yeah. Um, and as a member of the communications marketing team, we're going to ensure that all people um, have access to that. And so it's inspiring to hear that all voices, um, there's an intention, there's intentionality around all voices being heard. I think some people, you know, if you're taking a survey, you may think, well, we're, what's going to happen with this data? And, and really to um, let the institution know that the data that we collect, the feedback that we get is both actionable and hopefully impactful um, to them being at the institution, that we are going to take action on what we learn, and hopefully that will have an impact on the, the community. Are there any factors in terms of uh, and amenity that will be put into place so that people who may feel reluctant in terms of sharing <laughs> all the details around what they're feeling and experiencing um, to give them some sense of comfort around that? Absolutely. So the survey is completely anonymous. 
We do not track IP addresses or anything like that. In fact, we use a third party vendor uh, that actually hosts the survey. Uh, so there is no way to trace back to an individual. Uh, as well, in our reporting, our reports that come back to the institution, if there's too small a sample size in a population, um, we don't fully report those results back. So we do quite a bit to ensure that people, people's responses are anonymous so that they can feel that they can give a full and complete answer uh, to the questions. So the diversity engagement survey's long-term goal um, has just been to instill policies and programs and practices that will shift the culture. Um, and it's strategically doing that through the efforts of inclusion. I always give the, this example of some would say if diversity is here, right? <laughs> there are people of different cultures um, and varying experiences already here. People should automatically feel like and know that they are included, but there's a disconnect. So Sharina, could you say a bit more about why is there a a particular focus on inclusion and why is that like a catalyst um, to this process? So we all understand how important diversity is, just like the diversity of thought, diversity of experiences really creates a, a, a richer environment. Um, now, diversity in and of itself does not mean that a person's voice or they feel like their voice is actually heard. Um, and so we actually developed the survey specifically to measure inclusion and engagement and specifically engaging the heart. And the idea behind engaging the heart is that a person feels valued. They feel like they're an important part of the institution as a whole. As a result, they're going to be easier to retain. They're going to feel much more fulfilled and they're going to bring their best selves uh, to the institution. So just being here doesn't necessarily mean that a person feels like their voice is heard uh, or they feel like they're a vital part uh, of the organization. And so that's what we are trying to get at. How much do people feel like they are included? How much do they feel like they are a vital part of this organization? Marlena, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think, you know, Sharina definitely covered it, but, you know, it's, it's, a common analogy, you know, diversity is, you know, being invited to the party, um, but inclusion is where you're, you know, asked to dance. And I'd also say, take it a step further where you're asked to be the DJ, right? You're get you're able to select the songs that are played and, and really be integrated in the planning. So, you know, I think that is what we are striving for when we say we want to shift the culture and not just um, count numbers of different types of individuals that are here, but to really have everyone feel as though they have a say and have a say as their authentic selves while they're at the institution. Yeah, the, the, the piece about authenticity is very, very important. So thanks for highlighting that. I want to talk a little bit more about surveys and sort of like the fervor and the buzz around ensuring that people sort of meet these benchmarks, take these surveys so that the community is able to assess where they are. But I know as a member of the, the communications team, we're doing a lot once again, just to affirm, to ensure that people are able to take in that all voices are heard. However, once the buzz sort of dies down, um, there's often a disconnect 
between the people who have taken the survey and uh, and keeping them updated in terms of the implementation process. So could you um, share about how the community will be updated on how these ideas will be implemented once they've shared, once, once they've shown their or given their authentic responses to where we are? After we take the survey and, and get the results back, we want to continue to have these community of practice conversations where people can learn what were the results. Um, we are also going to have a dashboard up on our on the diversity and inclusion uh, website showing the results uh, again of the how do people experience this place? How did we fare on the DES for this round? And we want to also continue to implement these strategies in our diversity equity action plans, which right now we're going through a pilot phase with some departments, but the goal is to um, have diversity equity action plans for every department in the year 2023, 2024, that academic year. Um, so what we're going to ask people to do is based on what we see in the results from the DES, how are you going to implement strategies and goals that are going to align with your DEEPs? So we hope that people can actually feel the work and feel that their voices were heard and hopefully they will be able to um, use this information to make UMass Chan um, a more inclusive space. Yeah, and that that uh, sort of keeps us accountable to where we are uh, and how we're living up to those commitments. So I think that's really important. So thanks for affirming that. Uh, Sharina, when you were speaking earlier, introducing, uh, talking about the inception of the DES, you talked about collaboration with the Association of American Medical Colleges. Could you share a little bit more about how the DES has been used in other institutions and how any examples of how it's shifted the culture significantly or any examples that have stood out to you, given that though the, the DES was developed here, um, it's been utilized by other institutions. Of course. So uh, we're really fortunate and surprised that the DES has been used in over, uh, to date, 86 administrations across 66 unique institutions with over 160,000 respondents. We've even had respondents and in institutions internationally uh, who have taken the DES. And now we organically have um, professional uh, medical and health-related organizations who are reaching out to us to be able to use the DES. One institution in particular, I won't mention the name of this institution, but they um, took their results uh, and they saw specific gaps in their respondents who were underrepresented in medicine, uh, as well as they saw big gaps in gender. Uh, as a result, they developed a strategic plan, if you will. They developed a toolkit uh, where they uh, made some specific initiatives focusing on trying to address those gaps. As their first step, they looked at gender. And so they developed several programs that was aimed at trying to really show appreciation um, uh, for women uh, in medicine, because uh, that's where they were seeing the big difference, that uh, people who self-identified as being female had lower favorable ratings on most of the inclusion factors uh, that, are that are measured by the DES. 
Uh, as well, they they um, developed women's uh, women's faculty day and a number of other initiatives. And they retook the DES three years later and saw significant changes in uh, the feelings of uh, favorable feelings toward the institution. Uh, as well, they, based on these results, made a decision to revamp how they did their medical school admissions process and have made significant improvements in uh, increasing their diversity in their medical school classes. So that's just one example that stands out. Uh, many institutions do really deep dives in their data to really better understand where to focus their attention. And so they have seen some major changes and improvements as a result of it. Wow, that's that's phenomenal to hear that uh, something was created here and the impact that it's having outside of our context. And so I'm curious now for us to bring it back to our institution. What are some things that have changed here at UMass Chan? Um, examples that can be highlighted in, in terms of how we've become better. We know we're on a journey, but what are some initial steps we've taken to be a more inclusive culture because of this survey um, since, since we've been taking it? Marlena, Sharina, any of you, what you've seen that's also been inspiring at UMass Chan? I could just highlight a few things, as I mentioned before, um, looking at the 2022 or 2020 results and seeing that there were differences in terms of experiences for um, groups that are historically marginalized, the, uh, we decided to form affinity groups related to, to race. Um, so one being our Alana group for our faculty of color and the other being Colorful Voices, which addresses the needs and concerns of our staff of color. And so that was a, a direct link to what we were seeing in the survey that there needed to be spaces and support for um, both of these groups. Sharina, are there others that you've seen no, I think those are great examples that I've personally seen. I do know um, at the at least the, the initial administration of the DES, one of the measures that came out low was uh, concerns about equitable reward and recognition. And I do know at that time, the DIO office, uh, in collaboration with HR, did a thorough review to make sure that there were not real differences in how people are paid based on uh, whatever dimensions of diversity they self-identify as being a part of. We've had a great conversation about um, how this all began, the progress, uh, the process. I I'm interested in hearing from both of you about why the attention to this work? Why is it important that we have um, structures in place to ensure that diversity, equity, inclusion is, is a part of our institution. Why is it important to you specifically? Um, would love to hear your insights uh, around that. Well, I will say that uh, it's important to me because beyond what we do day to day, we want to feel valued. We want to feel like our voices are heard. We want to feel included. And so I think this work really allows us to shine a light 
on areas that we might need improvement in, areas that we're doing well in, that we need to continue. So it's a way for me beyond what I do day to day to give back to the institution, to provide some data that the institution can act upon to really make sure that everyone feels valued, that they are working in a safe and nurturing environment that they can feel that they are part of. I just want to echo, you know, what Sharina mentioned, but I, but I also think that we need to go beyond good intentions. I think lots of times um, DEI work kind of falls into this bucket of, you know, goodwill. And so, but we know that there is a, and also a business case for doing this work well. Uh, we know that diversity and inclusion and belonging is only going to improve our institution and the work that we do. Having different people here and again, being able to be their authentic selves. Uh, so I, you know, I think that this only helps us measure that. And again, we, we're going to measure what's important to us. And as an institution, this is one way that we can measure our progress in this space. And it's a, a valid research way. It's crucial that we have these types of metrics, that we are um, transparent about where we are, and that we're using this data to inform our practice and how we move forward. Thank you so much. It's been an illuminating experience to just listen to you all and to hear your commitment to this work. And so thank you for sharing. And as we've stated, um, the diversity engagement survey will be out in March. Sharina and Marlena, thank you so much for um, shedding light on why this is important to us and for inspiring us. And it seems like our community will be ready and willing to, to take the, the survey. So thanks for listening to the Voices of UMass Chan. Um, I'm John J. Ennis, and you can learn more about the survey at umassmed.edu news. We're going to have some details in the podcast show notes uh, to share more about what you can learn as we prepare for taking the DES in March. And please listen and subscribe to the Voices of UMass Chan wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow us at UMass Chan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. On YouTube, find us at UMass Chan Medical School.